0: Folks, welcome to this week's edition of The Drop Zone. My name is Dylan DeCher, joined as always by Sean Zock. And we are coming off a surprisingly spicy Sunday in the golf world. Tiger Woods obviously reappearing. Rory McIlroy ripping his shirt. Uh, But we are going to have a big day on The Drop Zone. We have a couple debuts. We're going to have a feature-length interview with DJ Pajowski of No Laying Up. Uh, We're going to talk to him about the... Making of some of their video shows, including Tourist Sauce and Strapped. And then we're going to make a whole bunch of professional golf to succession comparisons. So if you don't care about succession, the last 15 minutes of this pod are not going to be for you. But Sean, first, we got to break down the day's events, specifically that of Tiger Woods uh, and I guess the rest of the professional golf world. And who better to do it than Claire Rogers, our social media manager who just had a debut column release on golf.com called the Rogers report. Yes. Claire, there's a lot to unpack here, but first of all, welcome to the show. I know it's been, you know, a long time dream of yours to be on.
1: Yes. I am so excited to be here. It's truly an honor to be on the drop zone. So I'm very happy.
2: When I think of people at our brand who care deeply about Tiger Woods, I think Dylan is up there with just about anyone. And I think Claire is either one B or one A? Like it's hard to tell which of you cares about Tiger Woods more, which of you have chased him in different ways more. Uh, who do you think is number one, Dylan?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess I would like to hear from Claire. Like Claire, what are your first Tiger Woods memories? When do you when do you first remember? Uh, I don't know, watching Tiger yeah. Woods, caring about Tiger Woods, being a fan. Well, I think
1: I have you beat. I will be honest, but um, I kind of like remember in middle school watching him and Earl Woods gave this like presentation at the Deutsche Bank championship that I used to go to every year. And they like promised Tiger would be there. And then like five minutes before it's supposed to start, they were like, just kidding. He's actually (laughs) not coming, but Earl will be there. And I was like, all right, dad, like we're leaving. And he was like, no, we'll stay. And I actually did enjoy it. You know, that's almost as good as getting Tiger. Um, and then like all through high height.
0: So it began with disappointment. You're yeah. your Tiger Woods fan. experience. Yeah, Like, I don't think lo- I've
1: actually ever seen him play like live. Like I was at the president's cup and he was there in 2017, but I like, he wasn't pl- playing. So I was just kind of like walking the fairways and you know, he'd pop in and out, but all
0: right. That sounds like something that we need to make happen. Like Tiger Woods needs to come back so that Claire can see him in person. Exactly. Claire, could you tell us, please, the story of Tiger's surgeon and the edible arrangement? From the
2: top. I want
1: From the, the top. The From the top. Okay.
0: Walk us through it. So let
1: me set the scene for you guys. I'm a college senior. I love Tiger Woods very deeply. My college <laughs> roommates don't follow golf. They think I'm insane. Um, I think it was the Valspar Championship. Was that where he like came back and went low in the first round? Mm -hmm. I don't remember what he shot, but I remember sitting in my statistics class, like following it. And like, my heart is like going through the roof and like, I'm like sitting there, like pretending like to pay attention. And I'm like, oh my God. So I leave and I'm like on cloud nine. I'm like texting my siblings, Tiger's back. He's back. I get back to my room and I'm like, I need to do something. And like, (laughs) I feel like all of Twitter is like, you know, everyone's taking, they're like having their moment to like comment on Tiger. And I'm like, I need to take this a step farther. Like, how can I? (laughs) Really bring this to the next level. So I'm thinking, and I'm like, well, "Why is he back?" And I, the spinal fusion. Who did the spinal hmm. fusion? I hop online, Dr. Uh, Geyer,
0: Richard, Richard Geyer, Geyer yeah. my
1: guy, Geyer. I go on, <laughs> and I like find like he works for the Spinal Institute in Texas. And uh, I was like, "All right, this guy deserves the world, but I can only give him an edible arrangement." But I log on to like edible arrangements and there's one like 40 minutes away from him. I'm debating like, should I get him like, you know, like the basic chocolates or should I get him the nice ones? <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I just found my dad's credit card information. So I went with a nicer one. Mm. 10 minutes later, Claire, why did you do that? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, let's, he's like, demo me right now. I'm like, all right, sorry, sorry. So I demoed my dad the money back. And then I like tweeted about it in the, spinal institute dm'd me and they were like that is so nice of you
0: <laughs> that's amazing wait so did you get like confirmation that he received yes yeah, the so then the
1: next day i did this it was like 3 p.m so they couldn't get it that day but they could do it the next day and he dm'd me and was like just like a photo of the chocolates it was like thank you so much and ever since then like we've kind of like if he plays well we'll be like We'll like go back and forth. So now I have this friendship. And if I, if you guys ever need a spinal fusion, I know a guy for you. So that'll yeah. be good.
2: You know, a guy. how much money did this cost you?
1: Well, it didn't cost me. Cause after I did it, my dad was like, all right, I'll pay my back. Cause it blew up. So it was like 65 bucks. Wow.
0: Yeah. Wait, so how did it blow up? Cause you tweeted about it. Is that how people started to find out about it?
1: Yeah. And then, but I spelled surgeon wrong. I was like in such a rush that I misspelled surgeon.
0: <laughs> um, and
1: then it was on PJ tour live. And then it like kind of like went from there, I think. It was on like um Sports Center, ESPN, all the big outlets, but <laughs>
2: <laughs> golf.com.
1: <laughs> golf.com. So that's wow. my like that's my like claim to fame Tiger story. And it was mentioned at the golf writers awards dinner, I guess, by Bob Herrick. And I heard Tiger laughed at it. So he kind of knows. About me, but also kind yeah.
2: of you, he probably, he probably really appreciated that. Do you think tiger bought him the no. surgeon? Anything notoriously Hopefully cheap tiger woods, a whole bunch of money. I don't know. Yeah.
0: No comment, no comment there from Claire. <laughs> um, all right, Claire, let's get to this week's tiger woods news. When you saw the video, first of all, what was your reaction? And then monitoring the dials on the, the social channels, what was the golf world saying about tiger?
1: On Sunday morning, you're kind of like the last groups haven't teed off yet. You're kind of not like really looking at social that closely for me anyways, on like Twitter. So I'm like, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, it was like two minutes ago at this point. And you feel like you're late to the game when it's been entire mm, time. That's like eight hours. Like, so, um, send it into our Slack channel. People are kind of exploding, but I think the most fun was kind of to see how like the ripple effect it had on the other pros, like, It's really cool to see everyone kind of like, I think he's probably one of the only players that even other, you know, or a top 10 player will kind of fanboy over. So that was really fun to see.
2: I think the only other player that could cause such a a rise out of tour stars would be if Anthony Kim posted a video of him taking cuts like that. Trying to get dialed in front of a uh, you know a Trackman or a, a full swing launch monitor, um, I feel like that's it. Like that's the short list, and I yeah. don't even know who would be third. Tiger would be one, AK would be two, and I don't, I don't know who would be third.
1: But like I feel like AK would just be in the golf world. Like there would be some people, but this is like the entire sports world kind of freaks out over it. So I think that would be the main difference. But yeah, Anthony Kim would probably be the second and only next person.
0: It's true. Yeah. This one is self explanatory. Like it speaks for itself. Just a three second Tiger video. Anthony came, you'd have to like explain to your relatives this is why this is a big deal. And then people would be fascinated. Right. Hopefully this is gonna happen. But Tiger definitely speaks for himself. Um, all right, Claire, what else is in the Rogers report <laughs> this week?
1: So Jordan Spieth and his wife Annie. Had a baby mm-hmm. last week, Sammy Spieth, strong name. We like some alliteration. Um, he really <laughs> like went all in on social. It wasn't your average, like, you know, AT&T or Under Armour posting that we usually get from him, which I liked a lot.
2: Yeah, so that's as far as we'll get Spieth to go on social media. It's just a photo of his little boy's hand. Like, it's like a
1: slow rollout. I hope to see that's... like the face <laughs> by the time he turns 10 maybe.
0: <laughs> and then
1: Max Homa turned 31, the Twitter king, um, Rory's shirt, which obviously was the second biggest thing probably to happen in golf on Sunday.
0: Pretty crazy, yeah, that that happened before Tiger's video dropped, yeah. that there were actually two significant things from like two of the most famous people in the golf world. Yeah.
1: Tiger probably saved Rory a little bit there cause that became the main focus of the day. It's like when someone in your class does something worse than you do, you kind of like, are like, mm-hmm. yes. But this is, I guess a good thing on Tiger's head, so.
2: Do you have experience with that? Someone in your class doing something worse than you? <sighs>
1: I'm trying to think. No, I was like the ideal student probably growing up, so I don't.
2: <laughs> the ideal student watching uh, Tiger Woods highlights during your statistics.
1: Exactly, class. with the phone propped up, like with the computer open.
0: Um, All right, Claire, what else should we know about Tiger Woods? Like, where are we now? What what are we supposed to be expecting? What are other players saying? Is there any other reaction that you can feed us?
1: Everyone's very happy. I love to see, like, Bryson commenting, Phil commenting, um, Christina Kim commenting. I think people are expecting a comeback at this point. I saw, like, he's already slated to, like, with odds to win the Masters, which I think that's going a little fast. I like to be realistic. (laughs) But I do think we can probably see him in 2022 at some point, um, in some event somewhere and that will make me I like me that. Happy. I think
0: that's, I think that seems like a safe prediction. Claire, it sounds like we got to get you there in person.
1: I know. If you know a guy to get um, me in there, we can make
0: that. Sean, do you have other questions for Claire?
2: No, I'm just impressed. Claire, you know, exactly what you're doing. Your best pleas for work trips, uh, to your boss come directly right here on the drop zone (laughs) so thanks for weighing in that's
0: right this is good actually this way we'll find out who's listening um all right claire thank you so much we're definitely gonna have you back on the drop zone in the future to kind of keep people abreast on the news uh so thanks for being here
1: thanks boys
0: all right next up we're gonna toss to uh, an interview we just recorded with dj pie of no laying up uh we're gonna talk about no laying up video projects, uh, some of their programs, and then at the end, uh, we saved the succession discussion. So I don't know that we get into a ton of spoilers, but certainly if that's uh, not a show you watch, then I guess feel free to, to turn off the dial at the end. But we hope you enjoy.
2: Joining now is Mr. DJ Pai. I don't think he ever gets... Confused for an actual DJ does that ever happen when you introduce yourself to people
3: uh, only to really funny people only to really really <laughs> yeah. funny people Who are like, you know, I thought you'd be like, you know coming in with like your turntable or something uh, But no, I, I wouldn't say it's really happened in earnest not for a while. Anyways
2: my first question is uh, why don't you have an IMDB page as a like probably writer producer executive director of multiple like pretty darn popular golf video franchises. Why don't you have an IMDB page?
3: Uh, That's a great question. You know, I don't know if that's something you, uh, you start yourself, uh, but (laughs) we haven't, you know, just haven't quite gotten around to it yet, I guess. Uh, I think a lot of it stems from the fact that everything we we do kind of started as like a bit or a joke and now has kind (laughs) of slowly turned into hopefully uh, less of a joke. So maybe that has something to do with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess by way of introduction, DJ, we should mention that you are, well, we'll probably let you describe your own title, but yeah, director, producer, editor on various no-laying-up franchises, including Strapped and Tourist Sauce, which I know you're on an aggressive uh, media promotional tour for right now, so we definitely appreciate you squeezing us in. How how would you describe your current role?
3: Yeah, I think that's probably right. I think um, maybe like, a, like an executive producer type of role, kind of a... Um overall on the, on the video side of things, kind of overseer of all those kinds of things, I guess, is the easiest way to put it. I think for people who don't know, uh, what no Lang up is or, or who we are, or what we do, uh, there's five of us now there's, there's seven of us full time, but kind of started with five of us originally, myself, Tron, Randy, Neil, and Solly. And, uh, we each kind of, it, it's kind of shaken out now that we each kind of have different areas of the business that we kind of oversee, whether it's Solly with the podcast, Neil and Tron doing a lot of the merch stuff, Randy doing a lot of the finance stuff, our our chief financial officer, Big Randy, uh, and my portion of it's kind of the, the video stuff. So the easiest uh, way to, that, that's kind of the easiest way to break it down. But at the same time, I mean, everybody, when we're out shooting stuff, I mean, everybody's holding a camera and everybody's shooting, you know, whatever is nearby them and trying to all kind of figure it out together. So uh, I, yeah, I, I guess my, I make the credits on the video. So I put myself as the executive producer, but I guess everybody's kind of doing everything.
2: Oh, I love that. Now tourist sauce. Uh, if you're a golf fan and you don't know of it, uh, I guess you're pretty unique, but basically I want to know how it began because I went back and I watched the first two episodes of tourist sauce season one today. Um, they were, Very different. Um, the first one was like nine minutes long, the second one was twelve minutes long, and the franchise, I guess is what or the series you'd call it, has now morphed into like something that's bordering on forty minutes per episode. So how was it born back, I don't know, five, six years ago? And how proud are you of like where it's become what it's become? Uh
3: first of all, you're a much braver man than I am to go back and watch the first two episodes. (laughs) I couldn't possibly, I don't think, bring myself to do that. Um, but I think how it was born was, um, we had kind of a, just like a creative burst, I guess, when I, I kind of first joined no Lang up. And a lot of that was, I think because everybody was kind of sitting on a lot of ideas that we just didn't have the pieces in place yet to actually kind of make or, or bring into the world. And I think we also had a lot of, uh, naivete about what, uh, <laughs> what it takes to bring those things into the world. So I think we were willing to bite off a lot of, uh, our our reach definitely uh, out extended our grasp and on some things, but you know we we grabbed grabbed hold to to some of the stuff. But when I first started, uh, my background was I was working at uh, both Golf Week for a couple of years, and then I worked for the PJ Tour for like five or six years after that in a number of different capacities. And one of those was uh, doing video stuff and kind of learning slowly how to be a producer and how to be an editor and how to be uh, how to shoot stuff and how you know what people enjoy, what they don't enjoy, um, and and kind of morphing that or looking at that through a lens of also being kind of like a journalist. Like I have a journalism degree and have written for newspapers and magazines and uh, all kinds of different things. And so trying, I guess, to mirror those up or, or match those up rather and figure out how can we make, um, you know, how can we bring to life some of these like trips that it seems like we're going to have the opportunity to take? How can we kind of bring people along with us, and how can we uh, try to turn the camera around as much as possible and kind of make it about more of the destinations and more of the places that we're going and the people that we met along the way, Um, and then also how can we do all of this uh, (laughs) handicapped by the fact that we're idiots who don't know what we're doing and haven't really ever done this before, and so season one was uh, to Australia, the way it like logistically fundamentally came together was... A uh, friend of ours, Zach Blair, who plays on the PJ Tour, uh, was going down to play. Either I think it was the Australian Open, and yeah. uh, he was already going down. We were talking to him on kind of like a daily basis, anyways, just on a text thread about different stuff. And and we kind of kicking, we were kicking around different video travel ideas when I joined No Lang up, and one of them was this, you know, kind of like we should make our spin on the travel series. Like I, there's incredibly high end stuff that you know. Golf Channel was doing at the time. But outside of that, I mean, there's there's really like not much on YouTube or there really wasn't much at that time on YouTube. Um, the Adventures in Golf stuff that I was working on a little bit with uh, with Scratch and, you know, as a subsidiary of the PJ Tour, that was out there and that was like really, really well done and really high end. And we knew we couldn't kind of pull that off uh, from like a more of like a storytelling perspective. But we thought from kind of the kind of half buddy's trip, half, um, you know, just like, whoa, look around, this is crazy uh, perspective. We thought we could kind of get our arms around that a little bit. And so with Zach going down to Australia, he said, hey, this is the itinerary I'm playing. I'm going to, uh, you know, Kingston Heath and I'm going to, you know, Barnboogle and I'm going to Victoria and I'm going to all these different places like you guys should come along. And we had no sponsor. We had no uh, really like prospects at the time. We were kind of like, you know, I think uh, if we do this, uh, maybe we can get a car from BMW who we were kind of working with at the time. They might let us borrow one from a dealership. Maybe we can sell them on the fact that they should sponsor this thing. After the fact, we'll shoot it as if they did sponsor it. Hopefully they do. <laughs> and uh, it well, kind of yeah. it kind of just went from there. So we kind of just figured it out as we went, which was um, both obviously like had tremendous benefits and tremendous uh,
0: negatives. What was the gap that you saw in the market when it came to, you know, something that you guys, a story that you guys could tell or a version of this buddy's trip that you could show compared to what was out there? Or was there just really not much out there in this digital video space?
3: I'm sure there was. I mean, there's so much, like the, the easiest way to say it is golf is uh, just like such a insanely visual sport, right? I mean, it's so in, like incredibly visual. the The whole thing is about beautiful landscapes and dramatic scenes and all of these different things and that had been done you know to the umpteenth degree on every possible 18 holes uh around the world wall calendar you could possibly think <laughs> of right there's no shortage of of golf photography but kind of capturing the vibe that existed well before I joined uh Nolan up uh, on the podcast like this this idea of kind of like buddies who all see the game in a similar way and all, you know, travel around like that, that doesn't stop when the microphones go off, right? Like it still happens when you go out on trips. And I would argue, obviously, that's a much bigger part of it is how people interact on the golf course and how they feel about these different places that, uh, that you're able to go around the world. And it it was just kind of a, a you know, I think the number one goal was, was basically just to like, try to bring some visual aspect to that. And, I think with Australia, it was, again, we didn't, I would be lying if I said, like, we had a some great production plan put together. It was truly, like, I guess we'll just kind of film everything, and we'll, we'll try to, we had a great editor, Matt Golden, who edited uh, most, if not all, those episodes in season one. And I remember him, this is a bit of a tangent, but I remember him reaching out, and uh, we get, you know, not a small amount of emails who from people who are like, Hey man, I I love what you guys do. And I'd love to, uh, be involved. Just like, let me know how I can help, (laughs) which is very nice and very like, that's, that's, uh, it's very flattering that people do that, but, uh, it's not a great way to get a job because like the last thing we want to do is just like teach you how to do something. So the, the what was different about Matt reaching out right at about the same time we were, uh, kind of kicking around this idea of like, man, I don't know, should we really all hop on a plane to Australia and and try to make a travel series? Uh, Matt had reached out and was like, Hey, you know, love what you guys do. I see you're trying to dip your toe into video stuff. Like my specialty is basically just taking a big barrel of discombobulated footage and just weaving (laughs) it into a story. I was like, Oh buddy, do I, (laughs) do I have a job for you? And every uh, video
0: editor's dream. Yes,
3: exactly. And so he, uh, yeah, I mean he, you know, to his his uh his credit, he kind of nailed exactly what we were looking for at the time. I think that kind of put us over the hump to like, hey, let's let's go try it. And we've got this guy, Matt, who's gonna figure it out on the back end. And from there I think we kind of figured out, you know, this Sean kind of goes to your uh the second part of the first question you asked, but it was kind of slowly just drilling in from there. Like what is uh, what do people want to see and how should we make them longer? Should we make them shorter? Should we make them more architecture focused? Um, Should we make them more personality focused? Should we make them more about us, less about us, Uh, all that stuff. And so I think those, uh, that's still a, um, a a soup we're trying to uh, (laughs) nail the recipe on, but it's at least something that we can kind of, we kind of know what levers to pull now and, and can kind of react to the different places we
2: go. Yeah, because now it's something, I would say, not not like ethos-wise different. I think the ethos has probably remained the same. But the most recent season, I don't know what number season it is, but I think it's north of six. Um, it is north of six, yeah. <laughs> you guys are in Michigan, and uh, you hail from the Midwest, so I, I loved seeing you, go, you get back to the Midwest. But when you guys decide, okay, we're going tourist sauce Michigan, like what all goes into it? Because there has to be a, a different role for everyone to play. And like, what are you trying to show about Michigan? What are you trying to bring people from Michigan?
3: Yeah, I think the, so to the first part, there's a lot that goes into it. And uh, of course we're not, you know, we're not like mine and coal. It's, it's not like it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not the hardest job in the world, but it is, there's a lot more that goes into it than people probably realize it is it is uh that first trip to Australia felt a lot more like oh man we're on a golf trip and we just happen to have some cameras this is sick uh and i think every season since then uh for better or worse i hope better uh has just gotten a lot more like okay if we really want to improve the look of it then we've got to do this 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 and this if we really want to improve the audio we got to do this if we really want to improve the storytelling we got to do this and that involves A ton of planning. Uh, I wish Tron was on this call because he gets the lion's share of the credit for that. I mean, honest to God, at least for, I think, for Oregon, I think for Australia, or for uh, Michigan as well, I think he did the same thing. But I know for Oregon, I mean, he sat down and literally went through every golf course in the state of Oregon, Uh, and whether that (laughs) was... just Google searches, whether that was going through Tom Doak's confidential guide, whether it's going through all kinds of different stuff. I mean, he went through truly everything and was like, we know that we can't just go to Bandon and say like, Oh, if you want to experience Oregon, here it is. Uh, mm-hmm. cause that's not the whole story. Right. And so uh, again, to either our, our detriment or our, our positive, uh, we're trying to cast a wider net than that. And so we're trying to, Michigan's a great example. Um, we're trying to show a bunch of different stuff. I think it's really fun to go see what golf in the middle of Detroit looks like uh, at Rackham golf course or at Detroit golf club. I, I think that's a really interesting story. And, and it's more than that too, right? It's going to different restaurants and talking to different people. Cause I think that informs, you know, some of it's just kind of regurgitating their takes on stuff, but a lot of it's interviewing those people. A lot of it's like, just kind of letting that bleed into your, uh, context for the rest of the trip. But so for the Michigan ep- the Michigan episodes specifically, I think what we wanted people to take away was uh, what people in those locales or those different places that we stopped. I mean, what do they love about the place? What do people who go on vacation there love about the place? Why do people live there? Why do people play golf there in general? And that's, uh, it's not just based on views, you know, like, um, meaning like, actual like views with your eyes, not like internet views. It's not just based on, you know, how a place looks. It's based on how it feels, what it's like, what the price is, what the architecture is like. I mean, it's it's a lot of those different things. And I, I think we really, when we're at our best, I think we're really, you know, I think the, the notes that we get that make us the happiest are from people who say, Hey, I've lived in Michigan my whole life. And like, you guys absolutely nailed it. Like, that's, that's what I love about it. And so that's what we strive for. And whether we get there every time is, is I'm sure debatable, but we, uh, it's not for lack of trying. I, I promise.
0: Has your enjoyment of these trips changed over time? Like, is this, is this more of a delayed gratification now where the, the fun comes after when you see the product because you can't, you know, as fully just embrace being somewhere and and yucking it up like you're on a golf trip? Or is it still like just as fun as it looks on camera?
3: Uh, it's probably somewhere in the middle. I mean, I think there are times where, I mean, it is truly a blast to be out there. And, and there are times when I uh, definitely get way too deep in my own head where I'm trying to think like, you know, I'm not enjoying what we're doing at all because I'm thinking about like, oh man, is the you know, is the ND filter set to the right setting? And how are we going to do this? And there's a group playing behind us. Can I do I really have time to go get that shot (laughs) and all of those different things. Uh, But I think what I will say is, we've added uh, slowly, because one thing we're worried about losing, I think is, you know, you don't want it to feel like a Netflix production, not that, you know, we could really flip that yeah, switch. Yeah, those are trash. Not so that we could really wouldn't want that. <laughs> not that we could really flip that switch immediately if we wanted to. But uh, we, you don't want it to feel like sterilized, or you don't want it to feel like everything else. I think a lot of people uh, who like it seem to like it because it feels like it was made by five buddies who are on a trip, and that hopefully it closely resembles what you know them and their buddies' trips look like, right? And I, I think hopefully people like the relatability of it, and I think some of that leads through to, uh, the production. So I think if it's, if it gets too polished, uh, it means you're not having the long, stupid conversations in the van where you're debating, you know, this, that, or the other thing that, that tends to be like some of, uh, a lot of people's favorite episodes. And so trying to balance all that stuff has been great. So just kind of working on the process and working on like what we actually do and how we do it. Has been massive just to actually like learn how to do it and start to get something repeatable, and then the other thing is just adding more people. And so where I kind of started rambling about this was, it would have been one thing to just add a whole uh, you know production crew and just say like, all right, we need to scale up the budget of this, we need to do all of these other things, and we need to have a bunch of lighting people running around and audio people running around and producers and all of these different things, and we need to take over a golf course for the day. Uh, that would probably create the best quote-unquote product, right? But it would, I think, lose a ton, ton, ton of the soul because you just have to plan so much of that in advance and it just kind of zaps the like real life experience out of it. So uh, what we've tried to do is scale up really slowly. So we have three people who come with us in addition to the five of us who are predominantly on camera. We have uh, Ben Hoteling who you guys may or may not know is, uh, he ran, he runs, uh, some guy's backyard in Kansas city. Uh, he built his own nine hole golf course. He's uh, a genius in his own right. In many aspects. Uh, we have Cody McBride who we just hired this past year in, in January, who's a former military guy. He has an incredible story himself. He has an, a, his own podcast he does called down range. And then we hired, uh, w- we always work with this guy, Nick Kelly, who's just an insanely talented, Uh, shooter and kind of drone pilot and uh, golfer as well. Um, But he doesn't play. He just comes and shoots and makes really bad jokes.
2: I uh, was looking at, like I said, the Australia version this morning. And I just think you guys talk smarter about golf courses maybe than you did back then. And I'm very curious if you feel the same way, because that's a much trickier thing than I think people give credit for Uh, when you have to boil down these 18 holes on which you are playing a match and also speaking to the camera while you're playing and also trying to keep track of where everyone is. I think really I can get lost at at times myself really thinking about what the course is giving you and then having to regurgitate that information and how I personally feel about it. So um, that wasn't really a question more as like a compliment. I think you guys have really come a long way in terms of like this is the golf course you're going to get. This is what I think of it. Um, and yeah, it's not really fair to compare you to <laughs> the Australia version anymore, but uh, it's definitely, that's been one thing that I've seen leaps and bounds on. No, I know. I kind of wish,
3: I mean, I don't want to uh, shit on any any perspective locales, but yeah, I wish maybe we hadn't done Australia and Scotland as our <laughs> first two because I would love to go back and do those again. I might do one or two things slightly differently, but uh it it does get really hard as i'm sure you guys know and and i know you just kind of alluded to but yeah it it gets tough to not walk off um i mean every golf course in the world is like insanely different but not that different right yeah. <laughs> and it's it does get a little tough to avoid being like yeah i mean the land movement man green complexes uh you know it's just strategy shot value you know it's it's again it's and so when you're making like i mean i think for the michigan episode between the Michigan season for between episodes where we went to multiple courses and played nine holes and blah, blah, blah. I mean, we probably ended up for nine episodes. I think we ended up at like 15 or 16 different golf courses. And so, yeah, trying to put all those in context of how are they different from each other? I think that's where you got to kind of lean on the local perspective too and try to get that as much as, as much as possible and try to have beers with people afterwards and talk to them about it and try to have, I I think honestly, that's where it, it helps a ton to have, um, five, seven, eight different perspectives when you are having beers afterwards too is you just get that much more kind of cumulative uh, perspective on everything.
0: I want to talk a little bit about Strapped because if uh, if Tourist Sauce is like the the big box office hit, if it's the you know the the Marvel universe of uh, of your shop, then maybe Strapped is the you know the boutique art house uh, film. So Strapped, I mean, I guess first I would love just to hear you describe what Strapped is in your own words.
3: (laughs) It's not far off from what you said. We always uh, joke (laughs) that it's our self-funded art project. Uh, And where it kind of, if if people haven't seen it, um, it, they're all on our YouTube as well. But uh, the premise is two of our guys, Randy and Neil, go off to a location. They're given $500 for three days. Uh, that five hundred dollars has to pay for three rounds of golf, two nights, and everything in between. And there is a bunch of stupid ass wrinkles uh, built in. There is a money round where they can win or lose money. There is a mega bonus if any of them should ever uh, break par. Uh, there is all kinds of different things. They only get three golf balls to take with them, so if they lose them, they gotta they gotta buy extra golf balls or find extra golf balls. But they have to be callow. It's it's a whole a whole thing. But um, yeah, we started that. Or, I mean, honestly, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but uh, I, I felt like when I joined, I'm trying to even, I can't really even remember the timeline of when we did this. I know it was obviously in the summer in uh, in Iowa. So it was probably six months or so after I started. But we, the, the premise was like, it all came from that same kind of like um, emptying of the notebook of kind of all these ideas that I think had been rattling around our collective heads for a long time. And I, I remember vividly sitting downstairs with randy at our office slash the the house that uh i'm recording from now and uh we were kind of joking about like you know we should do another like if if we're going to australia and scotland like that's great um that's awesome we need to show like really high-end places but i remember we were getting a little bit chirped on our i think it was on our message board it was a little bit just like oh yeah cool man charleston country club like That's awesome. Like, I'm so glad you guys got to play there, but I can't fucking ever see that place. So, like, what do you, you know, what do you want? What am I supposed to do? And I'm like, ah, you know, they that's a pretty fair point. Why don't we, how could we balance the scales a little bit? And uh, I don't remember totally how we wound up going to Iowa first other than I think Randy and I literally were just, like, looking at a map of the United States. And I was like, I don't know. Have you ever played in Iowa? Like, no. Okay, cool. Like, maybe we go check it out there. And I think we kind of you know, we hoped it would be, well, first of all, we knew it wasn't going to cost as much more than like the flights plus $500. So that was good. Uh, but we, we kind of hoped it would be appealing to a wider audience, but we're like, you know, at the, at the bare minimum, if somebody came and did a travel series at the Jacks Beach Golf Course where I go play every week. Like I would definitely watch that. So like yeah. it, it seems like at least the people who play in Iowa, like at least they'll watch it, right? And and that's not you know that's not a small number. And then maybe if they if they tell their friends, maybe you know we'll get a true grassroots thing. And then we went up to the Northeast and and uh, Dylan helped us break some rules up there at uh, at Taconic. So <laughs> you know we kind of hoped maybe those people would watch it. And yeah, we put it out there and. I think maybe just because there's some stuff that happens. First of all, I think Randy and Neil are like the most magnetic, funniest, uh, people to watch on camera. And they're a blast to be around and a blast to edit. And I, I mean, that like carries the day, you know, a hundred times out of a hundred. But, uh, I think there's also just some funny stuff that happens in the Iowa, the, the debut, uh, kind of season, I guess they're only three, three episodes, each one, but, um, yeah but for whatever reason that that seemed to to catch an audience with uh or kind of a cult a cult following which is yeah really really fun
0: well and then you just touched on it but i wonder if you could speak to randy and neil's development because well randy i think is probably more consistent as you know he's just this uh delightful character consistently throughout um but i feel like neil has really gone through this evolution into almost like method acting um throughout the whole thing he can get to some dark places uh he's very expressive he he feels things very intensely um have you noticed a change in your two on screen uh your on screen talent i guess
3: i think uh i think this probably bleeds into just our our company policy more than anything but I think we, we have a tendency to take uh, serious things very unseriously and take unserious things very, very, very seriously. And I think a lot of that has bled into, to Strapped where, you know, it started off as like, oh, it's kind of a joke and like, whatever, who cares? And you start to bump up against, uh, first of all, you start to see like what the episodes mean to people, which is kind of a weird thing to say, but a very nice thing to say and, Uh, I think in that regard, like they take it super seriously when we're out there. I mean, they like, they don't waste a shot. They don't drink on the golf course. They don't do anything like they are there to play as, as good a golf as possible. And I think some of the off course stuff obviously turns into, uh, probably a little bit of performance art, but it's, um, the, the encore stuff is they're, they're there to, to play their hearts out, which is, uh, always, (laughs) you know, you kind of saw it in the the most recent one, the the New Mexico season that we did, uh, I think you kind of saw it with with those guys hitting a point at the at the in the last round where they're they're kind of just like playing awful. They knew they weren't going to get the mega bonus for breaking par. Uh, the Weather was shit. Golf course wasn't very fun, and it was just very like, what what's the point of of being out here and just watching those two kind of like find the motivation in each other to keep going is a uh, a weirdly touching touching thing I think.
2: The money is important for that series, and uh, I'm just curious. You know, inflation starting to really hit America. How are you guys going to reflect uh, future rules for for that?
3: Yeah, I think we've got a couple meetings on the books with uh, the C-suite to try to uh, try to see what we can do. I know uh, there was some talk about that in the last in the last season. The boys are being forced to squirrel away ketchup packets and coffee creamer <laughs> and those kinds of things from local gas stations. I don't think anybody wants to see it come to, uh, to that point. So behavior. Yeah. yeah. So it's a, uh, it's a thing that we're,
2: we're monitoring closely. I also have to say this might just be something that brings me in enjoyment, but when you and Chris are playing against each other on tourist sauce and like I think clearly knowing a little bit about both of you, like it matters to both of you to win like this and you kind of, you, you, you play up the stakes a little bit. Um, but every single time you guys do that, you've kind of got his number recently. It feels like you guys are still super complimentary to each other while you're playing. And you're like, Oh, good shot. Good shot. Good shot. I feel, I feel like it's so funny to hear Chris upset with how he's playing, upset that he's losing, knowing that he's going to lose and still having, you know, I guess the core value to be like, you know what? Good shot, DJ. Good shot.
3: It's solid, solid is a class act, man. You know, you gotta, he's, <laughs> he's nothing if he's not a class act. Uh, yeah, it's, it's weird. I think, you know, we've done at this point, like, God, I don't even know, approaching 70 episodes of, of tour sauce now. And so I think, you know, going back to my comment earlier about yeah, every golf course is different and it's great to have a video where you're kind of breaking down the subtle differences in all these places. Again, 14, 15 of them in the same state, like they're not that different. So you do need to have from a production standpoint, like you got to have some sort of um backbone to these things. And and I think it kind of goes to what I was saying earlier, you can there's a bunch of different levers I feel like we can pull in these episodes where I think we can ratchet up like, you know, the and this is kind of true for Strapped as well, but We can ratchet up the personality. We can ratchet up the golf course. We can ratchet up the competition. We can ratchet up the visuals, you know, all those different things kind of depending on what the episode is. But one thing we knew at least the last couple of seasons was like, all right, I think we need to have some sort of competition, uh, going throughout this, this thing, just in case we need to fall back on something. And so that started as like a, just a very, um, just like a very basic production need, but now has turned into like, all right, we only do one of these things a year. And like, you know, over 100,000 people are going to like watch this video. Like, I really want to win. Like, I would really rather <laughs> win than not win. So it, it kind of uh, like everybody starts to, again, the the taking the unserious very seriously. I think everybody uh, leaves it leaves it pretty much all all out on the
0: court, except Randy. He doesn't really care. Does it get uh, more intense? between you guys, than it looks like, you know, inevitably as coworkers, people are going to have creative differences and, uh, and different ideas. Like it, you guys seem like good pals. We've, we've spent time with you guys. You, you know, you definitely are all friends, but is there uh, an intensity just to being coworkers and sharing the same space and working on the same things?
3: There is. And, and luckily for us, I don't think, I, I mean, you guys, probably won't believe me, but I don't think it has ever really like boiled over. I mean, it's always been very, I think we know, uh, inherently kind of like when it's time to talk about something. I think we know when it's time to take some space. I mean, we're, we're all, uh, that kind of almost goes with the production side of things. I mean, I think we've all gotten a lot better at like knowing how to, um, just how to work together. I, I mean, that's probably any, relationship whether it's a player in caddy or whether it's a band or whether it's you know whatever the hell we are i think you gotta just kind of you just probably get better at it over time
0: and hopefully i think we're kind of in that bucket all right so tensions are simmering that's kind of what the headline will be coming out of this exactly so, <laughs> we've all reached the detente <laughs> uh, all
2: right well before we we jump into the uh, succession part of this little discussion uh, why don't you tell the world what's going on tour sauce this week where are you guys going
3: we are going to belvedere this week uh which is a absolutely delightful uh little golf course up in northern michigan uh it's just so cool man it's like a complete time capsule out there it's um they've got a bunch of really cool pictures in the clubhouse of all these different pros who have kind of vacationed up there and it's you know like any any world class golf course worth its salts, you know they'll they'll quote a number of different people who you've heard quoted at other golf courses saying that it was their favorite course as their favorite course. Um, but that's that's all good stuff. But they, it's just a really um, like man, if I was going to go walk eighteen holes at six forty five in the morning and be done by eight thirty and go have breakfast on vacation with the family, like I truly don't know if I could think of a better place than that. Wow. So we did that, and then we went and played nine holes at uh, at Bay Harbor which is a slightly different, uh, different vibe, but yeah, <laughs> also, also cool. Uh, and then you guys are going up to Gray Walls. Yes, and before that, we're uh, hitting uh, Wawashkamo as well, which uh, is on yeah. uh, Mackinac Island, a nine hole, nine-hole golf course on Mackinac. And then Gray Walls up uh, for kind of the conclusion of our Tour de Vries. We've been playing a lot of different Mike de Vries golf courses and, and uh, capping it off with, with Gray Walls up in uh, Marquette in the UP.
2: Are you in on gray walls or are you out on gray walls?
3: This is a pro gray walls podcast. Such a binary world you're, you're living in, you know, <laughs> there are shades of gray. I, I think on a macro level, I'm very, walls very, 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 in on on gray walls uh, at the end of a 12 day, you know, 16 hour a day production uh, schedules, you know, it, it, it had its way with me a little bit maybe, but um, it, was, uh, it was still an awesome day. I had a, I had
0: a great time. We'll have to tune in to find out, Sean.
2: Yes. Uh, one thing I think everyone in this podcast tunes into regularly, that's a great transition, is Succession on HBO, uh, a show that I actually got to super late. Dylan, you were in on it before I was. I feel like DJ's probably been in on it since the jump. Uh, but one weird, fun segment we're going to do right now, and we don't know if it'll last five minutes or 20 is to make PGA Tour comps or succession comps for tour players uh, to, to see if Rory truly is Kendall Roy, if Jay Monahan is Logan Roy, or if there are other people involved that are more accurate comps across the board.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not just the tour players, right? It's like this whole world. It's this uh, it's this idea of, of conflict and establishment, breakaways, drama.
2: Basically, I've been thinking about this for months now and it only really came to fruition when dj and dylan and chad coleman started tweeting out funny things last week about the two and basically i think this is either extremely right or or horribly wrong is that rory and kendall roy are too similar for me to feel comfortable with anyone else being involved so like first off Kendall is like easily the most, I think, unpredictable character on the show. Um, it feels like he's had the most things happen to him uh, when you least expected them. And Rory, my gosh, the guy has had probably one of the most unpredictable years of his life in this, at least when it comes to his golf. Say so maybe um, among the most unpredictable decades uh, we've seen yeah. <laughs> from a superstar. Exactly. I mean, he. So he is. He's he's both like terribly important to the Waystar brand and yet like he's super emotional and it feels like he's going to be the savior of the company despite some of the company's ills. Uh, He's helpless at times. I also think that him and the actor Jeremy Strong actually sneaky look alike. when they like put their pull their hats down tightly and just like see them. Always Um, the logo-less hat.
0: (laughs) Yeah yeah if Rory starts wearing brandless hats then I think this would definitely extend further.
2: Also, you know Kendall Roy. Like I think it's the, I think it's the the pilot. He starts the first episode of season one listening to like rap music, that you almost can be assured he doesn't really understand the meaning of. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily a Rory thing, but I c- will never forget how Rory once quoted Jay Cole in Oppressor. and I was really surprised that Rory was a rap fan, um, or at least a Jay Cole fan. So how do we feel about that comp, gentlemen?
0: I think you're a little off the mark because I think that Kendall is Greg Norman. I think that uh, wow, Kendall is the shark. I think you're looking at a guy who was once embraced by the mothership. Uh, I mean, Norman certainly had his heyday on the PGA Tour. Things didn't work out, maybe how they might have. I don't I mean I don't want to compare, you know, losing some leads in big events to accidental <laughs> manslaughter. It's that feels irresponsible. So. Definitely wouldn't do that, but
2: it's going to be filled with spoilers.
0: Spoiler alert for, I know anyone that hasn't seen the uh, 96 Masters should definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I think that Kendall's Greg Norman. Here he's the the leader of this mysterious breakaway league, which uh, the main selling point is that it's different from the old thing. And at certain points, it seems like there's a ton of momentum riding high riding the bull um, and feeling really good. And then there's other moments where it feels like the whole world can just come crashing down. And uh, I'm not sure where either story is going to end up. So I think (laughs) that right now that the the comp really exists. DJ, your Kendall thoughts.
3: Well, I think, yeah, you got to even back up a little bit, I think, because all that's been on my mind, truly the three things that have been on my mind, I think more than anything, the last, I don't know, six months are... Uh, the PGL, SGL, PGA Tour thing, uh, Tour of Sauce, and Succession. So this is a very, you guys caught me in a, a, a great Venn diagram here. But yeah. uh, I, th- I think, yeah, it, you almost have to start before you can, and I'm not trying to be cheeky here, but everything on Succession starts with and ends with Logan everything that's said on succession is a reaction to something that he has said or done. Every action that every character takes is either to try to get in his orbit away from his orbit. It's somehow impacted by his orbit. And so I think you almost need to start with, you know, in your, uh, it, it informs who your Kendall is. Right. And so if, yes. if, if, Good point. if, if I think the obvious Logan is Tiger Woods, right? I don't know if we can get a quorum on that, but I mean, I think he's, He's the only star in the galaxy, right? I mean, he's, he's the guy, he's the guy. Many people say, you know, I, I was bold enough to mention this on the no Lang up podcast yesterday. He is the needle, you know, I'm I'm willing, willing willing to go on record and say that. But I think if, if Tiger is your Logan, then I think Rory has to be your Kendall. I think Rory has seen every mistake Tiger's made. He's seen every positive thing Tiger's done. He's He's trying to both be exactly the same as him and be completely different than him. He's trying to learn from all the missteps that Tiger's taken. He's trying to kind of do his own thing and forge his own, uh, make his own name. But it's just it's going to be impossible to to outrun the the Roy name, right? And uh, I, love this. I think all that ties in with you know who knows what's going to happen with with any of these leagues. I think Rory was probably the most vocal person to come out against you could even tie that to uh, to uh, kendall's famous press conference scene uh if yes. you want <laughs> if you wanted to uh but yeah I, I think it's gotta be i think it's gotta be rory i think rory is the most interesting player in golf by far and i think kendall's the most interesting character on the show
2: i was worried you're gonna join dylan's side there for a second
3: I think Dylan's case is very compelling but he's also lobbing away some some uh, not insignificant implications. Who's who's your uncle Mo if if uh you know if Greg Norman is is uh you know does that implicate Dean Beeman people like that who used to be in, in control? I don't really know.
0: I guess in my world building I started with Logan being Jay Monahan as sort of the head of the establishment and the uh the PGA tour being the mothership. I was having a hard time with Tiger and the closest thing I got is that Tiger is Adrian Brody, which was a Ooh. pleasant comparison in my mind. Who's yeah. sort of this big time shareholder who doesn't really say much, isn't in the day to day, but when it's time, makes it clear he's actually the one that is, you know, in charge. He'll make you come to his turf. Yeah, you work for you know, me. Come visit you and see his pretend sick kid. And then uh so that's kind of where I had Tiger. That's good stuff.
3: I I uh I can't poke too many holes in that. I really like that.
2: We're going to probably hem and haw, honestly, uh, on a lot of this. And what's tricky is that I think every one of these characters at some level are deplorable. And so we're definitely lobbing up some things that aren't so great about a lot of tour players. But, hey, we must move forward. Uh, Actually,
0: wait. Yeah, before, just since you guys talked about Rory, I have Rory as Shiv. So (laughs) Rory kind of comes from this different world you know it doesn't come from the pga tour originally he has these european <laughs> tour origins northern irish origins but he is you know slowly kind of sucked in by the pga tour and ironically has become like the the chief tour spokesperson to some extent oh, um, man! and still has these moments of uh this is going to sound like criticism of the pga tour but He still feels redeemable sometimes. You know, he is an independent actor and operator, uh, but... This makes me think of one
2: scene from last night's episode. Oh, do tell. When they're... You know, this is a spoiler for sure. Not really, but when they're when Logan asks Shiv to pose in the family photo with this politician and Logan says are you part of this family or not Shiv it's like totally something at some level that someone has asked Rory McIlroy are you a part of the PGA tour or not like are you going to lead uh, and be involved with us every step of the way that's the first thing i thought of when you brought that up
0: anyway i interrupted you Sean continue
2: uh well see I only have a couple really good ones that I really believe in. And one that I truly really believe in is that uh Conor Roy, you know, everyone's favorite like last brother involved is I'm Billy, open raw on the same Billy Horschel. On <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's Billy
0: Hors. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Mainly because I wrote this down, uh, they only remind you that they're necessary and that they are involved when it's super clear that they don't matter. Like Billy Horschel taking second in the race to Dubai over this past weekend is him reminding you that he matters only one like truly we've given up and we don't really think that he matters he's got one top 10 in majors in his entire career uh Connor is this kind of slouch who's generally always asking for money uh and is now threatening to kind <laughs> of like threatening to unleash all the family secrets you know, he kind of goes off on the wagon and is now wants to become president, but then they have to like, take him half serious about him trying to become president. Uh, it, it comes from a very disjointed worldview, I think both. And so that's why Billy Horschel is Connor Roy for me. DJ, did you have a Connor?
3: I definitely had a Connor. Uh, I don't know that it, it necessarily lines up with his, uh, achievements in the game. I mean, he, he's a, a a massive, massive achiever. Whereas I don't know that Connor necessarily is. But
0: it sounds like a lengthy. With all due respect. With,
3: with all due respect, I think Connor has to be Phil Mickelson. I, I think what what player on the PJ tour is going to uh, stage a potential presidential run? Uh, which one is going to corner you at every cocktail party and talk to you about water rights and all of these different things that that Connor does? Uh, I think he constantly, constantly. Uh, you know, Connor believes he's the the smartest man in the room. Maybe sometimes he is educated in what he's talking about. Sometimes it makes a lot of sense. Sometimes it sounds really off the wall and borderline, uh, like lunacy. And, uh, I, I mean, man, I don't know. Who does that remind you of?
0: I had Connor as Bryson, which is yeah, uh, sort of say. a similar <laughs> along a similar line. And, and this is partly, this is maybe because of the way game of Thrones ended with Bran uh, brand taking over the, throne and this idea that, you know, maybe Connor's going to be the the one that ends up in power at the end of it all. Maybe he's going to be president. Um, Bryson, yeah, no one really takes him seriously, but he's got this endless self-belief that he's doing things the right way. Crazy like a fox, maybe. Um, so we'll see. This is really going to depend on Connor's trajectory.
2: Uh, let's move on. One person, one character in the show who I felt really bad because he's my favorite character. I could not come up with a tour comp for him, potentially because I'm biased because I love the character is Roman Roy and I've, I've truly, I've got nothing. So we're going to need you guys to fill in here.
0: Go ahead, DJ. I think this is a pretty clear one. I struggled
3: with this one as well. The best answer I could come up with was uh, Justin Thomas. Uh, okay. is that who you had as well?
0: Aligned. Yeah, yeah I, we're aligned. I, Love it.
3: I think he's, uh, he's got a very sharp <laughs> sense of humor. I think we saw that on the match and, and in other, other avenues. Uh, but you know, he, he also feels a little, uh, a little, protected at times a little sheltered uh a little uh kind of lobbing him from from the ivory tower every now and again but i think he also could sit with uh you know the the guys in management training and be yucking it up about uh about the kids you know the the guy's uh, nephew or whatever he was talking about i, I think he's that, that was the only place my mind went
0: yeah, especially once I had Logan as Jay Monahan, I think that um, <laughs> Roman makes sense as JT because he is sort of a child of the establishment, you know, his his dad. And I don't know if you guys knew his, you know, his father and grandfather, both PGA professionals. Um, he definitely, you know, cares about keeping that world happy, wants the PGA Tour world to work. Um, and yeah, he's got that wise ass younger brother side to him, even though I know he's an only child, but he definitely has that vibe to him that yeah, he'll he'll lob some things out there to mix it up now and again.
2: Well, thank you guys. I think that's pretty much the only thing Dylan and I are going to agree on. Do you guys have a Greg? Do you yes. have a good Greg? I think I do. Now, I might not. <laughs> There's no way we agree on this one.
3: I do and uh, I I actually I texted you know, not to brag. I texted him about this today, kinda to make sure he was he was cool, completely airing this out. But I think it's Max Homa. I think he uh <laughs> I think he spent some some years in the absolute wilderness puking out the eye holes of his mascot costume, uh, trying to keep a driver on the planet. And now I think he finds himself in this as a top thirty player in the world. I think he's struggling, like, oh my god, could I really spend fifty thousand dollars on a watch? Is that like is that something that's okay? I think Max is almost kinda like you know, Greg is, is kind of the uh the avatar maybe for the audience as far as like what would you feel like if you got thrust into uh this family. And I think Max is kinda of the same thing for uh elite world class, you know, golfers. I I think he I like uh, that a I lot. Think, I think people can see themselves in Max a lot. And uh that's that's yeah, that's that's where I went.
2: I like that a lot. I think I'm probably like it more than mine. I came up with Matthew Fitzpatrick, um, which is kinda of weird, but I think he probably, this is this is going to sound horrible, but I think they kind of matter the same amount. Like, they're both kind of implicated in, in our lives. Uh, at least, Cousin Greg is someone we're generally cheering for. I think Fitz is someone we're generally cheering for. We have to pay attention to him, but like, how much attention do we pay to him? Uh, I think. Yes. Yeah, are you speaking to his
0: role in the Ryder Cup team there, Sean? Is that sort he of, kind his, of his spot in. Uh, do you think. It's like Greg. Of- Of the twelve
2: people in that room, the Ryder Cup, the European Ryder Cup room, whose voice holds maybe the least amount of weight, I think Matthew Fitzpatrick's voice does. Again, all due respect, I just think that uh, he's maybe an afterthought at times, and you know, frankly, he kind of played like it at the Ryder Cup this year. Um, I I like uh, I like DJ's answer much better though.
0: The the closest I got with Greg was Victor Hovland who. Uh, sort of suddenly finds himself in this powerful position, like near the top of the world golf rankings, but doesn't really seem to know how to handle it. Like <laughs> I think if Victor found himself in a in a situation where he was trying to decide whether to buy a watch or not, an expensive watch, I think that would throw him for a loop. Yeah. Um, and the, still whole, water the whole road trip thing, I mean – Hovland's the only guy on tour that just sort of drove around the country like listening to heavy metal at the start of last year for weeks on end. So, yeah, I think that there was an element of that, and I think if Victor grew out his hair a bunch, they both have this <laughs> you know boyish disposition that I think uh, could work. We we know that Hovland was not with uh, Uncle Ewan on
3: that
2: on that road trip. There would have been no music. <laughs> <laughs> I love that uh, DJ. Having listened to your no Laying Up Network podcast devoted to Succession earlier this year. Which is a funny uh, sentence in itself,
3: but yeah. yes,
2: I know. <laughs> I was like working my way through it as I was saying it. Um, I know that you are a huge fan of Stewie. Yes, uh, I think, massive. I think he's your favorite character on the show. He really is, he
3: almost almost to the fact that I don't even know if I could come up with a comp. I mean, he's just... Okay. There's nobody There's nobody flashy enough, suave enough, uh, any of that stuff. I don't know if any well, of these so guys hold a candle to Stewie.
0: You guys, are, as a brand, are, are friendly or have been recently interrogators of the Premier Golf League. I mean, does Stewie have some PGL overlap?
3: I think that's a really, really good call. I didn't really think about that. Yeah, he could
0: be Andy Gardner from the PGL.
2: Wow.
3: That's, that's very, very interesting. Sitting at the table, sniffing the lavender. Cleansing his palate, uh, getting ready to to turn down the next deal. Who knows?
2: I I guess I when I thought of Stewie, I thought of Brooks only because they're like they're powerful in antagonistic ways, and they both kind of you know honestly, if I was keeping Kendall as my Rory, you know Brooks kind of bullied him around uh, at certain ways in the past. You know, if also you know if you had to choose a player on tour who would kind of be with you, and then like half an hour later, be against you. I think Brooks might be your man.
3: I can get down with that too. That's, that's a good call as well.
2: (laughs) There we go. Um, the only other one I have written down is that, (laughs) you know, Jerry, uh, you know, the kind of behind the scenes CEO at one point, uh, for Waystar, I, I had a tough time figuring out a comp for her. I came up with Andy Pastor of the PGA tour chief tournament operator, I really hope he doesn't listen That's to this a deep or cut. take offense to that, but it just like kind of often in the background, sometimes in the foreground, very much trusted, uh, trusted by all the players in many ways, but never like truly making the the hard decisions. Um, please, please help me finish this out with a couple other comps guys.
3: Uh, I think, uh, I would maybe just go a step up. I, I think you're on the right route there, but if, if Tiger's your Logan, I, I think Jay Monahan might be your Jerry. He's right? your Jerry. Just kind of. <laughs> Very, you know, when, when Tiger's not in charge, like, yeah, Jay, you're, you're in charge until I get back from uh, Estonia or wherever, wherever he was. Uh, I, the only, I only had a couple more. I had, um, by the way, I was, I was texting with Max earlier, who is a massive succession fan as well. Uh,
0: you've made that clear. I was, well, I'm I'm only saying that so that, so
3: that I don't steal his, uh, his take. I was asking for some of his thoughts. And I was like, I don't know who Jordan is. That's the only thing is I can't think of a speed. And he said, every characters on, on succession is too, too bad to be speed. So he said, Jerry would be the only one that, that could possibly be speed.
2: I have, I have, before you start, I have one really sad thing is that when you started by saying, you know, I texted him earlier when you were talking about <laughs> Greg, I thought you thought you said you were texting Nicholas
3: Braun. <laughs> no, unfortunately not. Uh, the only other ones I had were, uh, uh, two of my other favorite characters, uh, uh, Carl and Frank, uh, the kind of two, two lackeys I had as, uh, <laughs> Xander and Patrick Cantley. I think just kind of <laughs> in and around the the power position. Uh, Whoa. I hate no offense to anybody, but like pretty interchangeable, I think probably in, in most <laughs> golf fans eyes, uh, just kind of big money makers kind of around, you know, going with the flow and, uh. Yeah, I, I think that was about the only other one I had.
0: Yeah, especially in the there. what the previous episode where was it Carl or I guess Carl had to kind of filibuster at the the podium. <laughs> Patrick Cantley has increasingly shown that he's uh, capable there. Um, let's see, I just had a couple others. Uh, uh Lisa Arthur, I thought is whoever came up with live under par kind of <laughs> came and went. Yeah. There was a lot of scrutiny, a lot of promise put in, in uh you know, probably made some news at the time. I couldn't settle on, uh, oh man, I think Willa is maybe Jason Kokrak. (laughs) Man, I think there's a
3: bunch of sponsorship stuff you could get into with, uh, the homeless guy who had Kendall's name tattooed on his head. Uh, (laughs) you know, get into maybe some of the Paul Casey amnesty international, uh, (laughs) stuff that he's been trying to walk back for the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, there there's some some interesting interesting stuff there. Man, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think. We didn't have didn't have a great Tom. Uh I'm trying to think who else we we really kind of left on the board.
0: Yeah, I mean the the key to Tom in my mind and is, you know, he's he's someone that just didn't he got close to power and then he just got crushed under it uh in the blowback and and that's where it Cookrat came to mind. I, you know, hopefully n co Kokrak's not gonna catch any shrapnel, you know, just in general from from uh everything going on in the golf world. But uh yeah, I mean no one really catch it's the PGA Tour. like bad things don't happen to these guys, so Tom's a tough
2: one. Oh, I think DJ lived <laughs> up to the billing for exactly why I wanted to do this with him. <laughs> the guy knows succession a lot better than I do, and I think I know it pretty well. So DJ Thank you for all your wit, your humor, your breakdown of tourist sauce. Thanks for joining Dylan and I, and uh, hopefully we'll see you uh, in person soon.
0: Yeah, wait, DJ, do you do you want to get a quick uh, quick plug-in on where people can find your material?
3: Yes, of course. Uh, you can listen to the No Lang Up podcast twice a week, and you can watch Tourist Sauce on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on our No Lang Up YouTube channel. So, uh, yeah, do that if that sounds like something that would interest you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and if it if doesn't, man, then I'm watch Succession so. on Sunday nights at night. <laughs> <laughs>